May God, we pray that this is a resurrection day. We pray that something changes in our hearts, whether we know you or not, that you would draw us closer to you, maybe call us for the first time. We pray that people in this room today run out of a grave today. They move from death to life with you. So we're so thankful for baptism. We're so thankful that it says that people stand before us and say, I believe in Jesus. He is my God and he is my king. So prayer today is that that would happen in radical ways here in this room, but it would leave this room, that it would be a part of our community, that we would be carriers and bringers of your kingdom. Would you fire us up today, God? Fan your fire into flame. Come on. Would you pray the prayer that Jesus taught his brothers and sisters? If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Give somebody next to you a double high five. Give me give, two, not just one high five. I only give, give two. That's a real high five. It's a high 10. Yeah, that's right. It's a high 10, everyone. That's a high 10. That's not even a high five. All right. I'm excited about today. I'm not sure if you can tell. I think the Lord's got something for us. There's been a convergence of things. There was Ascension Day last week. Pentecost is coming. Uh, we're doing baptisms today, and we're talking about the resurrection today. There's something happening, I think, in the spiritual realm for us today, if you're willing to say yes. So I'm hoping we say yes. Have we all in the count of three to say yes together right now? One, two, three. Yes. All right. This is good. Okay. All right. So we're going to start. I want to read our passage for today. I want you to know my sentence for today, and then I want to talk a little bit about baptism. Because I'm going to go after baptism today, okay? So we're going to be in John 11. We're going to read 22 through 27. Christy already read Romans today. Thank you for that, Christy. I appreciate it. People of God, this is the word of God. Verse 22. Oh, just if you don't know, I probably should tell you. This is the story of Lazarus. We talked about it for quite a while a few weeks back. I read 44 verses. Today we're going to read five, Okay. But Lazarus has died. Jesus was not there. People are in incredible sadness. And Jesus has just arrived, okay? And he meets Martha, verse 22. She says this, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live he or she who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? John is talking about belief, right? Over 80 times. Do you believe? Do you trust? I wrote this so that you do believe, so that you do trust. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Savior, the, one, the Son of God who was to come into the world. When she says, I believe, what she's saying, that's a, it's the perfect tense. So she's saying, right now I believe, but I made that decision a while ago. I believed, and I'm affirming it to you right now. So it's a past decision that's being lived out in the present, which is what we just saw. A past decision. Fifth grade, Sierra said, I believe in Jesus. And she stood before us today and said, 
I believe in Jesus. People of God, it's the word of God. All right, so my sentence for today is this. It's slide number six. Because if I am, because I am the resurrection and the life, I will always be interruptible, okay? So interruption, the word falls short. Everything falls short when it comes to Jesus. But interruption, to move from death to life with Jesus, to live life not on my own terms but on his terms because his ways are better than mine is the ultimate interruption, right? I think that's slide number uh, 11, Jim. Uppercase, interruption, right? What I want to do today is so below that is a lowercase i interruption. Those are daily interruptions. And the next one is an uppercase i. Those are major interruptions. So I think how I deal with the lowercase i interruptions in light of being a follower of Jesus will determine how I handle the uppercase interruptions. Is that making sense? So I like this. It's one of my gauges for me as I follow Jesus. A guy in a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry said this. He said, uh, how I handle interruption shows the state of my heart. I'm going to say it again. How I handle interruption shows the state of my heart. So think about it for a minute. In the course of a day, you have your plan for your day, right? We all have our plan for our day, how it's supposed to go. When you are interrupted, how you respond to that person or that thing shows what is inside of you. Does that make sense? So in my life, think about your own life, I have little people, and they interrupt regularly. Can I respond graciously, patiently? Can I listen? Can I engage? If I can, for me, that means that I, my relationship right there, that moment with Jesus, I am in a right spot with Jesus. But when I respond with anger and frustration, raised voices, when it throws off the rest of my day, I would think, for me, I am not right. And I need to get right. So resurrection, we're talking about today, I am the resurrection life, is the ultimate interruption. So our series, think about our last, our, the past series, this series, I'm going to bleed the next one. The last series was Lives Jesus Changed. Remember that series? People had a, an encounter with Jesus. They experienced Jesus. We believe that Jesus is alive, am I right? All right? All right. So if he, that means that we can have an encounter today. And when there's an encounter, I, I look, play some definitions. Oftentimes, it's a, one definition is it's violent. When there's an encounter, two opposing sides, two opposing things meet. There is a winner and there is a loser. Okay? And if we believe what we're going to talk about today, there is a final day where there is a winner and there is a loser. Right? There's winners and losers in life. In the meantime, though, how I view it is for us is we get to, and we have our encounter with Jesus, we can yield. When you yield, you place yourself under the authority of someone else because you think that their authority is better than your own. 
Okay, so people had a moment with Jesus and everything was different. Everything shifts, right? At the very beginning, what was the problem with people? It's still a problem with us today. Is we like to be God, lowercase g gods. We would like for the world to revolve around us. It's a struggle for all of us, I would say most days, right? There's a, there's a wrestle. When we say, Jesus, you are God, there's a reorientation happening. And we are grateful that God is God and I am not. Can I get an amen to that? I should not be God. It is a bad thing when I am, right? When he is, it's a good thing. So that's what happens in the encounter. But then, so let's think about your best friends. Think about your spouse. Think about your siblings, your very best friends. When you realize that you're in a relationship with someone that you want to share life with, right? It happens kind of quick sometimes. You're like, oh man, like this is it. Like with my wife, I was like, this is it. What do I do after that? I get to know her. So this series is us getting to know Jesus. And his I am statements means that he, who he says he is, he always is. So we have an encounter. We get to know him. And the next series, it changes how we think. We see the world very differently when he is our king. Okay? So, interruption. So there's major interruptions, and then there's small interruptions. Okay? So I just want to say this to you now, because I want you to be thinking today about your life, your own interruptions, and we'll get into the passage. And I'm going to ask you one more thing. Okay? So, uh, we have a dog. And I kind of like the dog sometimes. I don't like the dog sometimes. It's kind of a love-hate thing. We got going with the dog. Our girls love our dog, you know? And it's a good dog. Trust me. It's a great dog. But when I take my dog for a walk, if you've ever seen me, I'm flying. I got no time for this dog. I'm, I'm literally pulling the dog with me. We are not going to stop. I got to go somewhere. I'm getting this done out of the way because I want to keep going today. Like today, I got things to do, right? So I had this sentence. I will always be interruptible. Can't always be. Positive. Okay, God, what, is that, what does that mean exactly? And we're walking by one of the spots where... I think a lot of dogs do their business, and it's a favorite spot. And I felt like the Lord said, stop. So I stopped. And I let our dog sniff for like two minutes. And I was like, this is so dumb. What? And he said, if you can be patient in moments like this, I'm going to do this to you all day. Will you stop? Will you pay attention? Will you move into the interruption with me? Because if you'll practice on something that does not really matter, there's any things that I think are going to matter. But I have to be able to trust you with those moments. Will you join me? I was like, oh, jeez, God. But that's just a normal, everyday thing. But that is, in light of, our God, you're my God. What do you want me to do today? For me this week, it was stop and let the dog sniff. And then he started bringing people to my mind. I want you to pray for them. Think about them. Because what I'm going to ask you to do at the end of the day today, everybody's got one of these on their seat. Hold them up so I can see you have it, and then you have no excuses. To conclude today, I want you to do this before you leave. So we're talking about re the resurrection 
life. People moving from death to life. I want you to write down the names of five people that we are joining with God and saying we want them to move from death to life and I am willing to be interrupted for them. And then what I want you to do at the end, I have a couple ideas. We'll see what happens. But we've been talking about how Jesus, I am the gate. I am the door. You pass through this door with me. I want you to mindfully, like intentionally, it's probably a better word, walk through the doors with this five. And I want you to think about them all week. I want you to continue to pray for them. And then I want you to come back at the end of the week. Flip it over. I want you to come back and we are going to we're going to write down people or places. We're going to see death to life. I want you to write down the first name of that place in the lighthouse. First service, I asked a guy named Jim. So like 1,600-ish people come here on a Sunday. I said, what's 1,600 times five? He said, 8,000. I said, great, thank you. 8,000 people, 8,000 places. What if 8,000 had an encounter with a risen God who is alive, who cares about every day and everything, and their life changed dramatically, and we saw a whole bunch of people come right here and make public declarations of faith. So they have decided on their own, but they do it here in front of us so we can encourage them. We can, we can it sounds bad, hold them accountable. When I say accountable, we're, we are equipping, we are encouraging we're walking with them. We should be, as, I think this, as Christians, we should be the most coachable people in the whole world. Right? Think about it. I know what I am like. Do you know what you're like? I got some problems. I get selfish. I'm pretty proud. And Jesus died for me knowing all those things about me. So as I interact with people who don't know him yet, we should be able to be coachable with them, to encourage them, to draw out the good things in them. Am I right? Am I right? All right, all right. There you go. And, sorry, last thing. If you want to get baptized, maybe you made a decision a while ago on your own. You know, oftentimes we see young people do this. What if it wasn't con confined to people who are younger in life? What if you made a decision later? I actually soon I get to baptize someone who is about to get married. He's like, now's the time. I'm ready to show my family who I am becoming and who I believe in, death to life. What if someone in this room who doesn't know Jesus yet until today, maybe someone who has for a while and says, I'm ready to confess you are God before all of you. Might that encourage us? Might that bring us some life? Might it be fun to watch the spirit move in this room? And then we can watch it play out in their life because sometimes you don't know where people are at because we are really great at privatizing our belief systems, right? We don't talk about it, that's for me. Well, this is about as public as it gets. Getting dunked in water in front of a lot of people that you might not know. I'm just saying, what if? Would you consider it? Would you consider it?
Yes or no? All right, thank you. I was a little quieter that time. All right. I'm going to come back to it. All right. So let's get into our passage today. How I want to work through it, John 11, uh, 23 through 27, is uh, we're going to look at the significance about what Jesus is saying. Like, as I've been reading these, like, the people who are there, like, what are they hearing? What are they thinking about? Uh, why is this the setting Jesus chose? Because rabbis choose a certain place to tell a certain thing. Because usually you can see something. So they're trying to take things you can see and connect it with what you believe so it helps you understand better. So why do you choose this place? Um, I think there's some fallout, which I think re will resonate with all of us. And then I'm going to come back to the little interruptions that move into bigger interruptions in light of the big interruption. That make sense? All right. Sort of. Clear as mud. All right. So the significance. What is Jesus saying? Because shortly after this, people want to kill him for saying this. This is so big. What he does and what he says is so big, people want to kill him. Why? Well, I was doing some studying. And so when they talk about Jews in the Bible, there's oftentimes five, there's five different groups of Jews. So there's the Essenes, the Herodians, there's the Zealots, there is the Sadducees and the Pharisees. We oftentimes just think of the Pharisees, and we'll talk about them today. There's different groups. So at the end of the story, the two groups that want to kill Jesus, one of them believes in the resurrection, the Pharisees, and one of them does not. There's nothing else. They're called the Sadducees. They don't believe there's anything else. They are the most powerful people. They're the chief priests, and really they want their best life right now. They're all about themselves. What they want and how they can leverage their power with Roman power to continue to grow what they have, all right? So that's the first group. The second group are the Pharisees. The Pharisees believe in a resurrection, which is what Martha is alluding to. Pharisees would use Daniel 12 too. The book of Daniel is written to a, a exiled, persecuted people. It's, it was written in that time period. So people who have been exiled, led nose to nose, hundreds of miles, lost everything. So Daniel says this towards the end. He says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So, I don't know, righteousness, right relationship, those who turn people to right relationships will be with God forever and ever. So there is a day, there is a final day where bodies come back, everyone comes back, and there is judgment. And sometimes we get weird about judgment when in actual, I think we all actually want judgment. When we see bad things in life, I think all of us, to a T, no matter what you believe, want that wrong to be made right, right? Right. So we all want that day. And I think if you're a Christian or not, you would want things to be corrected. So Jesus is saying there, there is a final day when right will win. The kingdom fully comes. That day is coming. But Jesus is saying, but it's not just contained to that day. That's why it was so controversial. He said, no, it's I am life with me today. Not just that day. Because the Pharisees believed to get to that day, everyone had to do the right thing. If everyone's obedient, if we all follow all the rules, that's why they had the commands and they had Levitical rules and they had more oral laws and all this stuff. They're trying to do all the right things to get the day to come. I feel like I'd do that. I was struck by this. If we just do all the right things all day, 
we'll get the outcome we want. When, 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 when all the right things have to happen the way I want them to, who's God and who's, and who's not? That would make me God. Right? So they, they're trying to manipulate the day. And Jesus says, you don't know the day. But I'm really curious about how you live right now. What was this critique of the Pharisees? You put those things, which are good things, a lot of them, above people. And Jesus is breaking the rules sometimes because he's loving people, right? So the listeners, this is a problem. This is the way we have thought for a long time. And the Jewish people have been like captive like 20 empires, like over and over and over again, right? They're conquered and they're conquered and they're conquered. How frustrating would that be? To be conquered over and over and over again. To never feel like you're at home. You can never flourish. You're taxed all the time. Like you, what I want from government's not happening. How frustrating would that be? They're longing for the day. But you said, no, it's, I am. I am resurrection. And I'm life today. Would you walk with me today? So Jesus says this in a, the setting in a graveyard at a funeral. For me, my opinion, death is the final interruption, right? Death is when we, are, we, we lose people we love for a time, if you believe what we believe. So Jesus is saying, all right, I need to help you understand this. So in the worst of the worst, let me show you how this works. I will come. I will raise. Just before this, in Matthew, uh, John 11, 11, Jesus says this. I think it's really interesting. Uh, 11, 11, he said this to his friends. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Earlier in John's gospel, John 6, 44, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Jesus said, I'm going to go get him. king, he's going he's gonna to come get you. Do you want him to? Because to follow him means that we might have to die. Which means I can't live life on my terms. And you could go so many places with that. Look at our culture. I mean, choose a topic. I see I do this, trying to live life on my terms. To enter these waters, to stand before you, to move into life with Jesus, says, I know I'm not supposed to. It doesn't work. So it requires death. And then we're risen to life. But see, there's a problem, though. And this is what happens to the people who listen to him. If you go a little forward a little bit, to John eleven forty eight, The religious leaders are discussing this because some people see Lazarus get resurrected and they believe. Some people see Lazarus get, re- get resurrected and they don't. They go and tell on Jesus and they tell the leaders. The leaders don't believe. Why? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our place in our nation. 
believing in Jesus, not living life on my terms, means that someone might come away and take away my place, what I want. Right? Power, authority in this life, my plan, where I'm going. We think it's the best plan until it's not. Then we need a new plan. Or we have a God who is the resurrection and he's life and he helps us navigate all the way there. But it requires a death to move into life. So I thought about this. When it comes to interruption, we can handle it poorly, we can handle it well, but the one I think is a little more insidious is we cannot handle it at all. So I understand poorly. I understand handling it well. So when I raise my voice and respond angrily to my children, I would say it's not handling it well. When I am patient, firm, I mean, you have to, we have to discipline kids, right? We know that, right? Like, we, I need to be disciplined, right? That's handling it well. But what I think I'm worried about right now is that it's easy today to not handle it at all. What do you think I'm talking about? So many things in front of our face. It's really easy to, my wife and I have a disagreement. Instead of working through the disagreement to get into right relationship with her, I put on Hulu, Netflix, do the end of the day scroll on whatever device, whatever thing you use, Instagram, right? It's easy to never deal with it. And then relationships. So dying, a daily diet might be, can we sit on the couch tonight? Friend, can I go buy you coffee? Let's sit outside. Let's put our phones away. Let's interrupt our day to become right. Right and right. Amen? Hold them up again. One more time. I see you all got them. I got pens, too, just so you know. A couple thoughts to conclude. I'm going to invite the band up here in a moment. One person said this to me between services. It struck me. Some of us can't think of five people who we think don't know Jesus. Are we supposed to be a people who, who go? What, hold on, what, what, what did Jesus say at the end of Matthew um, when he was getting ready to Ascension Day, which was this past week? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, purpose clause, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. 
and I am with you as you do this always. Matthew's gospel begins with Emmanuel, God with us, and it concludes with Emmanuel, God with us. So over the next couple of songs, give two. I'll give you a little time. Because I don't want you to leave today without five. I do not want you to be pushy. No umbrella of mercy. <laughs> five. 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 And then what we're saying when we walk them through the doors is that God, however you interrupt me this week, in. I am in. We'll get it wrong. I've been thinking about this this week. I've gotten it wrong many times. We'll get it wrong. It's okay. The fact that you recognize that you got it wrong, I think is a good sign. Five. Bring them with you. Look for opportunities, and then I want you to come back. Turn over again. That's where you sign up. Let's fill it. What if we had 8,000 names in our lighthouse? And what if on the day they get baptized, they get baptized and afterwards we walk them down and say, look it, we wrote your name down a while ago. We've been praying for you. We love you. We have loved you. Jesus has loved you. He's been searching for you. We've been waiting for you. We've been proactively trying to find you. How cool would that be? You know, at a church I used to go to, we got to write down, we were struggling with infertility. We had several miscarriages. And we wrote down baby Corver on a piece of wood on a wall. And then that was hard. But then we took our baby girl and we went and stood in front of that thing. And we thought, man, God was with us. Not saying that's the outcome always. Because we've all lost. So here I'm not saying what if, what if 8,000 people move from death to life? <sighs> Let's pray. God, I, I ask that right now in this moment you bring people to our minds. Five. I pray right now that we would say in our hearts with you, that you would alliance with you that this week and the next week and the next week and the next week, that we would be interruptible people looking for opportunities, looking for what you're doing because you are the one who moves them from death to life. But for some reason, you let us be a part of it. So would you help us to know how to be part? Would you help us to know how to love? Would you help us to know how to speak the truth? So many are living life, we're living life on our own terms and we need to know we're doing that. That we have missed it. Can you show us how to do it in a way that is loving and gracious and firm, just how you would. Amen.